Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 28, I remembered the number this time, of my podcast, <laughs> I Stand Strong, coming at you from my bear cave in the Arctic tundra of the Midwest at the moment. It is snowing a lot. Um, yeah, and today I am once again share, uh, joined by my good friend, Tony. Hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah. kind of excited to have this discussion, even though I... Didn't quite prepare very well for oh, it. But you're, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Let's face it; we both know we both know that the outcome of this would probably be this. We'd probably have a lot of similar conversations. So, to that, we'll get on to our topic. Uh, I have not talked about this on the podcast, but it is: I am a wrestling fan. Um, have been for a long time, even though I freely admit there's been some real bad downtimes in the fa- thing. But so we're just going to talk about some of our our favorite matches. So uh-huh. if you'll excuse me, I'm going to bring up my list here because <laughs> I had to type it up on my phone. I should have had that one ready already, but I didn't. So okay, just quick. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get into it. How did, how did you start getting into wrestling? Like originally get into wrestling? You know, cause, I mean. I mean, I remember, uh, I was, I was little, man. Like, like it was, a um, when I used to watch it on TV, it was like the Saturday afternoon show. What, I don't even remember what that one was called. Do you remember what that was? A WWE Saturday afternoon show? Well, I know, um, WCW, WCW had Saturday night main event or no, just had WCW Saturday night. And that was the one for a brief point where it had a rotating ring. And I'm like, I feel bad for the people performing in uh, it when I look back on it now. No, uh, no, but then uh, yeah, the they have superstars or they've had a couple like random ones throughout the years. But I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, because but, but when I was watching that, that was back when uh, like people like Steamboat and uh Snooker and stuff, they were on the tail end of their careers, you know, when I started getting into it. Well, then again, if you look at the height of WWF, there were a lot of those guys that were on the tail end of their careers at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, hell, even Hulk Hogan was should have been on the tail end of his career at that point in time, to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, he just kept hanging on. You notice I said, should. <laughs> um. Yeah, like me, I got like I remember my first introduction to wrestling was actually not true wrestling. It was um, actually on an NES video game system, a little game called WrestleMania. <laughs> Does not hold up great with like the notes dumping across the ring. Yeah, and, yeah, with the, with the stupid power ups going that that barely did like, anything. Uh, well, barely did anything, and, and it's like it was a real stretch that it, it would even go with that character. Well, yeah, it's, well, you'd have, like, I think it was, like, if I remember it, given it's been a long time since I played that junk heap of a game, um, but if I remember right, it was, like, if you picked up the character, that w- the, the icon that went across, if you were that character, it gave you a little more, but you could uh-huh. just, like, get it as another person, it would be, like, a, you know, minute, it would be, like, a minor upgrade. I could be wrong on that. I just remember playing that game for hours on end with my next-door neighbor, and, <laughs> and then, of course, I actually started watching the stuff, and, like, Ultimate Warrior was the first love, and now I look back at that, and I'm like, wow, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was definitely made for the child mind. Yeah, yeah, but but that's where I, where I started watching on TV, 
But uh, you know, growing uh, growing up in the Portland area, you also went to, you also went to Portland wrestling. Yeah, and and I and, I, and, I love hearing the stories of your mom talking about snooker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, those were fun times. Yeah, yeah. For if there's anybody listening, as she uh, she used to go and when she was a young lady, like probably in her mid twenties or so, and uh, at that time, snooker was wrestling in Portland. And uh, she would tell the story about how she was—he was the most beautiful man she'd ever seen in her life, just absolutely, uh, I guess, just a gorgeous specimen of a man. Yeah. And <laughs> she, she loved to talk about. It. She also loved to talk about how when, when Jesse Ventura would uh, just—he uh, came out to the ring, and of course, he was an—he's always been an ugly man. And uh, my, my, he'd come down the ring, my mom, be like, "You're so ugly," and, and he'd turn around and say, "So are you." And he, and before I get into the ring. You know, and we dealt we dealt with some of that when we, when we went to that uh, WCW. Oh yeah, I was just Port- about to point that out. Like the the last iteration, essentially of Portland wrestling, the infamous. Uh-huh. We go to a taping of what they recorded like three episodes. It was something like that, yeah. And so- there was the match with that tag team. And the guy yelled, I just remember the guy's like, see, that was textbook. I'm like, man, how the fuck would you know what a textbook is? <laughs> I look oh, over yes. at Tony and Ian, the other guy that's with us, and I swear they're looking like, I don't know this guy. I don't know this guy. <laughs> well, dude, he was a big dude. Wasn't he, wasn't he the one that was like John Studd's son? I want, Yeah, he was John Studd's son, and then the other one was just some other guy, but... Yeah, I just I got swept away in the I got swept away in the moment, and I was having fun. And chances are, he was in character, but he was even enjoying the fact that I was talking shit with him. Uh uh huh. Yeah, that was a big guy, dude. He must have been as wide as he was tall. Oh yeah, neither one of the guys on that tag team were (laughs) were small guys, and the fact that I had the guts to talk some shit to him, and yeah. Oh man! But anyways, hey, uh, but appara- apparently, that you know, that's the unwritten rule. It's all good as long as you don't step into the ring with them. Oh, and see, I've never been that stupid. I've never been thought like, <laughs> "Hey, I will talk shit from a cuff- comfortable distance." He even <laughs> got in my face. I can guarantee you would have been smelling shit in my pants. Uh huh. Because yeah, he was a big dude. There is no chance in hell I could do anything. Like I might get a lucky punch into the balls or something, <laughs> but then I'm running. He's the only reason he's not catching me is he's slipping in my shit the rest of the run. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, but yeah, let's go ahead. And but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into it. We we we've been <laughs> we got on a tear on that one, but fun times. Yeah. Um. So okay. So yeah. So just some of our our favorite matches that we've we've watched. Um. Fair warning, a lot of these are newer matches. I do have a couple older ones that I'm I'm gonna list here. I do have one old one too that uh because I, I, I was starting to do some research. I'm like, I need to watch this match because everybody says it's great. So we'll get into that. No, go ahead go ahead and throw it out there because it might oh. be one that's on here. I don't know. I, well, um uh, you, you you know a little while ago I was watching those A and E biographies. I need to get back and finish them, but the whole WWE series yeah, and I'm I'm up through like episode five or six, I think. But one of them was on uh was on uh, Macho Man. Okay. And and uh, th- they were really talking up, like they were saying that match with him and Steamboat at WrestleMania three. What, did you have that on your list? Yes, that is actually on here. Um, yes, that is probably one of the best matches from that era of WWE to me. The storytelling, the in-ring work, but I mean, with with Savage, who was like you know, you you really dig into his background, and how like overly controlling he was of his matches. Oh yeah, apparently every 
everything it was that that match was completely scripted from beginning to end. There there was no uh, ad libbing in it. No, and Steamboat was just but Steamboat was a great worker with him. And so uh-huh. yeah, that match like yeah, I I I I'm like I didn't know if you'd seen that one, but yeah, that is on here. That's actually my number two on here. Yeah. Oh, the second right. one I wrote down on here because yeah, it is just an amazing match. I mean, like Savage was ahead of his time, if you ask me, to some extent. Uh-huh. Like he he was eclipsed by Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan was the easy one for everybody to get behind, but Savage was an amazing worker. He uh-huh. he always seemed like he was a little bit ahead of where he you know where everybody else was uh-huh. and the storytelling in that match was great because not, not not only is it story the, the not only is there a story being told about the, the the two men fighting each other but all through the match there's that story of uh he's th- that story of uh he's not so great to to miss elizabeth he's a controlling dick uh, that kind of carries through a lot of his matches. In, yeah, and so in you saw it there. But where um, he's, he's he's fighting Steamboat, and then every, and then he'll break away and tell her to go stand somewhere else in particular. You know, like yeah, and he also uh that but the the big storyline in that match to me, and it's like I don't think you could pull off the story, and I mean like yes, yeah, aside from the the Elizabeth stuff, the the biggest story in the match was the crushed Larnick story for uh, Steamboat, mm-hmm. and you couldn't pull that storyline off anymore, not no. without like Steamboat just completely disappearing, because like they had like vignettes of him learning how to retalk because like it crushed his <laughs> Larnick so bad that he couldn't talk and all this stuff. Oh, wow. Oh, it was it was awesome to watch, but no, the mat, but the in ring work itself was enough to watch mm-hmm. the match for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's nice to know when I finally watched that match that yeah, it wasn't hype, it, it wasn't all hyperbole that that it was one of the best matches ever. Quote, quote, quote. No, it, it definitely is, and uh, you know, especially from the choreography of it all, to have it all planned out from the opening lock up all the way to the pin, everything that happens in that match was scripted like i said that, but that was savage like he didn't do a match unless he scripted you know like he didn't take a breath that wasn't on that script mm-hmm. and some people couldn't do it some people could not work with him because of that mm-hmm. um but yeah in fact uh that the the way that match like just kind of like some of the legacy of that match was I want to say it was around like Wrestle, like just after whatever WrestleMania Jericho wrestled, like all those legends, even though that match was bad. Oh, it was like, who was it? Steamboat? Uh, Steamboat, Snooka, Piper. Snooka and Piper was the third one. Yeah, well, yeah. there were three of them, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then Mickey Rourke came out like afterwards um, and knocked Jericho out or something like that. Yeah. But, anyways, yeah, after that, like they actually had Steamboat do more matches with, uh, with Jericho. Oh, wow. And at the end of one of them, Jericho was supposed to go over, but it was going to be the last time they wrestled. And Jericho changed the finish of that match in the ring. Like, nobody knew he was going to do it. Not even Steamboat knew what he was going to do. But I guess they were <laughs> in a position, and he said, all he said to Steamboat was WrestleMania 3. And they're like, he's like, what? Steamboat's like, I don't know what, what, what? Oh! And they did the exact finish at the end of Re- from the WrestleMania 3. Oh, nice. In this match. And, like, I guess even Vince, like, they came through the curtain. Jericho's expecting Vince to just chew his ass for changing the finish of a match. 
But Vince was like, I guess Vince was just like bright eyed about this. He's like, that was amazing. I cannot believe, you know, like if you're going to change something I tell you to do, do it like that. Right. But right. so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's had a legacy and it, I, yeah. I don't see that ever changing. I mean, especially from that point in time in wrestling where wrestling was a lot more show than performance. Yeah. And you and, got and those you know, two. Uh, you, your comment that that uh, Savage was really ahead of his time, um, yeah, that's definitely true because that match had a lot of precursors to the the stuff that people call later on quote the flippy shit. Oh well, yeah, it was but, well. Savage was like Savage was one of the few people who had an off the top rope finishing move. You know, if uh-huh. you think about back in the day, I mean, Jake the Snake did a DDT. Hulk uh-huh. Hogan just did a lame looking leg drop. Uh, Andre the Giant, I think, just body slammed people. I mean, oh. you really didn't have. Yeah, it was basically just him and Snuka that would do the off the top rope stuff. Yeah, and well, and no, uh, Dr- Steamboat for a while used an off the top rope crossbody. Mm. Well, there you go. But you know, so you know, yeah, it was. It's but yeah, to see people like, but I mean, in a lot of places, going the top rope was rooms for you know, ro- or. Uh, Setting the tables to be disqualified if you were up there for too long. There were certain wrestling promotions that Dude, that's, dis- that's a rule that totally died. You know, being thrown over the top rope was a disqualification. Oh yeah, like well, that, there was all away. kinds of weird, weird <laughs> shit. That, but um, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I could go for hours on just this one topic. But um, okay, I'm gonna go with the next one. This is one right. we actually watched together, and it's it's. It was a great match, but the feel-good moment to it was what pushed it to the next level, and that's Kofi Mania, baby. The oh, year yeah. Kofi Kingston got Daniel got to beat Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania for the title. Mm-hmm. You know, a ki- a guy that nobody ever pinned to be a world champion. No, no, winning yeah, it from it, the it, last person that really had that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, it, and then into their credit. They they propped him up as a credible champion for quite a while afterwards too. I thought for sure he was going to win that belt, and then two weeks later he was going to lose it. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that, but they had you know like his Samoa Joe rivalry coming out of it was really good. I think he had a rivalry <laughs> with Randy Orton briefly after that that went really good. Mm-hmm. But the match itself, like, and the long you know the the real kind of will they won't the they aren't even giving him the match leading up to it like if you watch yeah. everything going into that they per, they hyped that perfectly to the point that when it finally happened you couldn't help but jump out of your seat and and celebrate uh-huh. and then you go to the fact that yeah you you put Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston two really good workers yeah Kofi's kind of known for being the more once again, comedic style because of his stuff with New Day. But he's a good worker. And then Daniel Bryan's a hell of a worker when you give him the right match. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they put on a hell of a match. And there was a couple of times where I remember legitimately thinking, oh, my God, they're not going to pull the trigger on it. I mean, like, it really had me by the, you know, by the balls the entire match. <laughs> yeah, it was a great one. So, I, you know, I... I had to put that like it, you know. Like I said it was it was one of those ones that like you know it was a once in a lifetime feeling to watch that one live because I remember it was one of them that we watched uh, you know like when we used to get together for every other pay per view essentially because mm-hmm. I'd have the weekends off and man that would 
that one was good. I mean, and you know, and well, yeah, I was gonna say, and there, there's another one from that exact same event that's that's gonna be coming up later. Even though I oh, have okay. my doubts to it, but <laughs> well, I have I have one small negative to it, but um, yeah. but no, no yeah, but that was a solid one. That was definitely a solid one. Kofu Mania went to prove that, like, and, and it's and it's really a shame that Vince didn't learn anything from that either. That he, you know, he still kept pushing down the smaller guys. Like, oh, you're not big enough to be a world champion. You're not Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Well, and to have him lose it in a squash to Brock, how stupid was that? I didn't like that either. Oh yeah, Brock's back. So we're just gonna give him. We'll, we're gonna give him five seconds to lose to freaking Brock Lesnar. Yeah. You just had this amazing run from somebody that n- nobody expected at any point in time for it to happen till it happened. Mm-hmm. And you just shit on it. And so I choose not to remember that part of it just because. <laughs> well, well, you're welcome for bringing it up. Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you for shitting in my cereal. Yep. Um, but okay, well, yeah, I'll go ahead and go to the next one that was also at WrestleMania 35, and that was the triple threat match of Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte Flair. I say there's a pin in this one because I really felt like Charlotte Flair should have had nothing to do with that fucking match. No, they, they keep shoehorning her in. Like, dude, we don't. Yeah, the, the, the wrestling the, the wrestling fandom does not want her. Yeah, and that's that was a Vince problem, but like, but once again, kind of, I think it was the whole thing of you know, like, yeah, you finally got to see Becky Lynch hit that point, and once again, look at the title reign that followed the whole two belts back, uh, two belt bet or Becky two belts, uh, Becky two belts, yeah, Becky two belts. You know, you know, now you got big time Bex now that she's back and she's a face again, and dude. Oh. She, uh, what was that? Oh, no, she's she, she's back to being the man. Oh, is she is she not calling yeah. herself Big Time Bex anymore? No, not so much. Well, the man was another great movement, anyways. I mean, like, yeah, and that was another one that, like, God, there were two of them in the same year that Vince was really fighting, putting her in that, you know, putting people in a position uh-huh. they were born for in the long run. No, yeah. and I still remember it's like. Technically, I know a lot of people say, you know, that uh, Becky Lynch owes a lot to Nia Jax because if she doesn't break Becky's nose in that one match, would they have given her that push? And I'm like, I think she still would have got the push, but man, that broken nose really definitely rocketed it a little bit. Well, yeah, that that was her uh, that was her uh, crimson mask moment that's like Steve Austin had. Oh, you know, I'm shocked I didn't put that match on here. The WrestleMania 13 Austin versus Hitman Hart because oh, you God. had the double turn in that match. Uh huh. And you never looked back on Austin after that. I mean, they tried to make him heal again, and it never really worked. But no, but no, yeah, but no that 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 Becky Lynch. I think if it would have been Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, maybe it probably wouldn't have been as great of a match because I will give Char- Charlotte can work when she wants to. Mm-hmm. She was shoehorned into that match. She should have had nothing to do with it. And let's face it, we've gotten multiple proof that Rousey is not going to try to improve herself. No. So she was still pretty green. So could she have handled a match with just her and Becky? I don't know. No, no. But... And we also want to got both the championships on the line if Charlotte wasn't there. So I guess, you know, Charlotte had her point part to play, but yeah. 
I I just I I remember just hating the fact that they had shoehorned her into that match so harshly. Well, well, WWE has such a long history of decide. They decide who's going to be the uh, the champion you're going to love. And God damn it, they're going to force them down your throat until you learn to love them. Roman <clears throat> Reigns. Mm. Mm. Well, I I I'd go back to Cena on that one. Oh well, yeah, no, Cena was Cena's definitely up there too. I was just going with the more the most uh, <laughs> most uh, recent person. Yeah. You know, because they were they were so desperate to get that next big thing because both both Austin and The Rock were well, gone. Austin was gone because of injuries, like or yeah. just, you know, like age was ca- or yeah, his injuries were catching up to him. That's probably the better mm-hmm. way to put it. And Rock was off to do go to Hollywood, which yeah. you can't argue he wasn't destined for. I mean, the man was charismatic as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I I. I there are no Cena matches on this list, even though I think he did have some decent matches every now and then. They just, yeah. Well, he I couldn't st- I couldn't stand him because because he was forced down my throat. But as a worker, he was solid. Well, it's it's the whole five moves of Doom thing. It, yeah, yeah, you know you're going to see five moves. But then again, if you really think back at it, The Rock had the same kind of thing. At some yeah. point in time, you're going to see his three punches, spit on his hand, hit him with the last punch. Mm. You're going to see the people's elbow. You're going to yep. see a rock bottom. You know, so I guess it's it's not like everybody kind of has that, but it, like with Cena, it just seemed like it was way more telegraphed. Yeah. It just, you know, it's you know, it's kind of the same thing as you know back in the day when you had rest hold Randy. You know, everybody used to make the jokes that Randy Orton just did a bunch of rest holds. Mm-hmm. And now hey, he's hey, proven that he can get over doing whatever he wants in that ring, whether it's a rest hold or whether it's yeah. kicking the shit out of someone. And, you know, like, sure, he's out injured right now, but look at his longevity. He clearly knows how to keep himself going. Uh, well, last thing I'd heard is they're not really that nobody's really sure if he'll be back or not. But yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. But you know, he he has yeah, he has had a good long career considering he was somebody. Then like when when I first saw him, I'm like, dude, this guy should not be wrestling. Um, really, you felt you felt well, that way back, when he back when he back before he was with like Evolution and all that. Oh yeah, like before he because I think it was like he was there. He got a neck injury, and then he was gone for a while. And then when he came back, he was with Evolution. Mm-hmm. Before the evolution stuff, he was really kind of just a milk toast character. Like he mm-hmm. really didn't do anything fancy or like great to me. He just kind of seemed like a generic person that was just trying to be like, "Oh yeah, my father was a wrestler. I want to be a wrestler." Well, <clears throat> but yeah. So, um. Anyways, that was another sidetrack. Jesus Criminy. <laughs> um. Okay, here's another one, and I have a feeling you might not agree with necessarily this match, but you might you'll you'll well you'll agree it's a good match, but I think you're gonna think another match that these two had was the better one, and it's really kind of a, a Sophie's choice on it. But I'm gonna go with WrestleMania 25, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, the first time, the first of their their two. This was one of those where I was like, if I made a list, I knew this was going to be duplicated. So it's like, why? Why well, even try? <laughs> I can't remember if you like twenty five or twenty six because those two I, were I, the I, ones. I think I were... like both of them. I think I like both of them equally. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe twenty six a little bit more because that's the the end of the career. 
And see, I, I kind of like I went with twenty five because for some reason when I watched, I've watched the two back to back not too long ago, and I was like, uh-huh. I think twenty five was a little more solid. Twenty six, they basically took what they did with twenty five, and they just uh-huh. did a couple extra little things here and there. And yeah, the you, you have the emotion of knowing, okay. Sean Michaels is retiring. Little did we know he wasn't actually going to stay retired. But well, we can do choose, they ever? Can we choose to? For, we can choose to forget some of the mat, the the one match he's had since then. Because um, <laughs> we know all the people who were involved in that match choose to forget, want to forget it. Um, well, you got to cash in on that sweet, sweet Saudi blood money, you know. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, but no, anyways, yeah, that match was like, and the thing that said is it's it's not like the first time they had wrestled, but for some reason those matches, you know, might as well put them both in together because I mean they they really are kind of a package in a way. Uh-huh. But those matches are some of the most solid, you know, performance wise, story wise. But then again, Undertaker's always known how, like, the, the ring psychologist, face it, there's one person that should that WWE should never let go, and they should have him working with those NXT people on ring psychology. The Undertaker should be it. Like, if you put Sean and Undertaker down there doing that, I have a feeling you're going to see a big change in some of these performers as they make that I, change. But I have a feeling Undertaker would be one of those that I don't think he would do so well, only because... I could see him being the type of person that gets really annoyed when somebody's not getting with the program. Well, so like, that could you know, be, maybe. I if, don't know. If, I never thought of if, that. If he has if he has a young talent that's just not getting it, I could see him losing his shit. Well, sometimes you need that guy, though. <laughs> maybe. Sometimes you need that check yourself, bro. Because that's why, like for example, like in, in uh, like the NBA, most most of the all star players that go on to become uh, coaches fail at it because they cannot fathom how it's not easy for somebody else to pick up what they used to do. Okay, I, I guess I could, you know, and I, and I can see that. So you got to look like a, a lot of the good players that turn into into good coaches. It's usually the bench coach, uh, the bench players, the ones that aren't in the starting lineup every single night. Yes, Steve Kerr, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I may not like the Golden State Warriors, but I gotta respect what he has done for that team. But yeah. he was also, I always thought he was a great, um, just like, u- utility man. Like, you put him in when you need uh-huh. a certain position, a certain thing, uh-huh. and he's going to do the job. But yeah, okay. Yeah. I, and I guess I could see that with The Undertaker. Maybe he wouldn't have the the temperament and he'd be too willing to punch someone in the face if they're not listening to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's why yeah. you have Shawn Michaels there to kind of be the, the good cop, bad cop. Right. <laughs> But so yeah, so like I said, I I chose number twenty five, but I can or uh, the one from WrestleMania twenty five. But both those matches are just must watches. Well, he, I mean, uh, of course, you know everybody knows he's uh, Shawn Michaels is called Mister WrestleMania, but he had a string there because wasn't it twenty three when he wrestled uh, Ric Flair and ended, and ended that career. <sighs> 24. Or was it 24? 24. I want to say it was 24 was Flair, 25 was the first Taker match, Uh 26 was the retirement match, 
And I can't remember if he had anything to do with 27 or 28, where which were the two Taker versus um, Triple H matches, mm-hmm. which were also pretty good. I mean, because like, no. I was always one of those people who's like, Triple H is a kind of a hit or miss wrestler sometimes. Like, sometimes he has really on matches, and sometimes he has matches that are like, eh, okay, it was okay, but yeah, it could have been better. <laughs> but but no, that's de- those were definitely solid choices. Okay, here let's see. Okay, I'll go. I'll go down to NXT because this is one of those matches that just, just like every time I've watched it, it's just been amazing. And once again, it has a storytelling. It does a storytelling really well. And that's uh, Alistair Black versus Johnny Gargano at Ooh. War Games Two, I believe it was. And like going into it, the whole thing was, you know, like they had, they did the whole story where, uh, black, what he lost, he had to give up the belt for injury when he came back, he was, or something happened. And I just remember he was supposed to face Champa in a match for the belt, but he got jumped outside the ring or whatever before the match took place. Uh Um, and then when Black came back, the whole storyline was like, well, who did it? You know, who, who jumped him? Was it Ciampa? Because, you know, he at that time he was doing the do, do the total ruthless heel champion thing. Uh-huh. And it's later revealed that it was Gargano jumped him because if anybody was going to take the belt from Ciampa, it was going to be him kind of thing. And it led to one of the best matches I think Gargano has ever put on personally. And, and that's saying something because... Uh... That man put on a string of good matches in, in NXT, oh, yeah. spe- especially his takeovers. I mean, his his work with Adam Cole was amazing. His work with uh, 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 Ciampa was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Other that, than the one really final beat match, like I I didn't like their the cinematic match they did with Ciampa and him. But uh, I think that was more the cinematic match than it was them. Right. Um. But no, yeah, like, but the match, like, I, I just remember, like, I get goosebumps watching the end of that match every time because it's like the whole thing is, you know, like, going into the match, Gargano keeps making the statements like, you know, no, when all's t- said and done, I'm the hero of this story, which I love because that is a, a heel thing that a lot of people have lost where it's like, no, 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 the villain is the hero of their own story. Right, right. It's, it's the Lex Luthor thing. Yes. But then, like, at the end of the match, like, before Black gives him the Black Mass, he tells him, uh, was it, I, I absolve you of your sins or something like that, and then <laughs> does that kick, and I'm like, oh, my God, that is just such a fucking amazing moment. <laughs> I mean, on top of the fact that, like, Alistair could work, Gargano, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, yeah, Johnny Takeover, Johnny Wrestling, whatever you want to call him at that point in time. I mean, he was... Uh-huh. He he really is kind of like he has potential to be the uh, a newer age Shawn Michaels. Like you put no. him in a match with anybody, he's gonna make it a banger. Uh-huh. Um, no. but yeah, for some reason, I think just the storytelling, and you know, I, I had to get Alistair Black represented on here too because I really think he's underrated in the you know in the grand picture. Oh yeah, he's massively underrated. I mean, look look at look at those matches he had with the. Uh, 
with Buddy Murphy, dude. That that, that was yep. I've, those two gelled in ways that you don't see very often between two wrestlers. Yeah, well, he and then like you know, but I could have also put Aleister Black versus Adam Cole from NXT because they had a mm. no no holds barred match or a street fight or something like that. But that match was just that was brutal and uh, like. Dude, Alistair Black earned so much respect for me in that one just because he was, goes to do a moonsault and just leaves himself laid out for freaking uh, Cole to hit him with a freaking kendo stick right in the ribs and he's mid-flip. Mm-hmm. It looked so brutal. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um, you know, uh, if I, if I would have thrown together a list, um, it probably would have been mostly WWE-centric. Because I never really got into a, uh, I don't get into AEW. I don't. Get, I never got into WCW very much. Um, but with NXT, dude, that the, there, there were some other good matches too that could have made the list, even as honorable mentions. Like look, look at look at the stuff like uh, like Adrian Neville was doing before he left. Oh yeah, no phenomenal uh, yeah. matches. Well, even in his stuff into uh, the cruiserweight, the the cruiserweight show two hundred five live, dude, when he was. Uh-huh. He was just Neville, and he was putting on some fucking amazing matches uh-huh. as like a it, heel. Uh, it's a shame that he left. He left NXT and just kind of faded into obscurity a little bit. No, he's he's still kicking around. I don't. I don't think he's ever going to be what he he could have been. Uh-huh. Because yeah, now he's like kind of just teamed with two other people in AEW, and they're kind of a faction, but. Like they're kind of like side; mm-hmm. they kind of feel like footnotes a lot of the time. Yeah, but like yeah, some of Neville's work was really good. So was uh, um, Sami Zayn had a fantastic run as well. Oh, dude, you want to watch Sami Zayn matches? Just watch the matches he had with Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Or you know, like well, you you could start with going to the. Uh, I want to say it was who did Zayn beat for? Did Zayn beat Neville for the belt? The NXT uh, belt. I want to say yes. I can't remember Which who. He, anyways, I remember Sami Zayn won the belt. The the won the NXT belt the same night that Owens debuted, and they were making such a big deal out of how him and Owens were best friends. So Owens comes out and celebrates with Zayn, and then does the freaking power bomb onto the hardest part of the ring. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah uh, good stuff. So, so uh, what's next on your list? Um, let's see here. Well, since you mentioned that, that you know you you really couldn't think of much, much WCW, I have one WCW match on here, but oh, okay. it does involve two people who also had bangers in WWE, and oh, that yeah? is Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero at Hollywood ha- ho- a little bit Hollywood Havoc, Halloween Havoc '98. Oh wow! Oh man, they put on a show. Um. I, I mean, have to look that one up. It really was, you know, like Ray was very much doing his true Lucha Libre style, like not really the hybrid he kind of became known for later on. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Guerrero, let's face it, you know, Guerrero, you could put him in a match with a wet paper bag and he'd probably find a way to make it look like a great <laughs> match. Yeah. But just the, the story of it was, I, I want to say it was like a. Mysterio was, you know, just challenging Guerrero for the cruiserweight belt, which I would never believe Eddie Guerrero was a cruiserweight. That man was never small enough to be a cruiserweight. But anyways, that's where WCW had him at first. Um, and yeah, it was just it's the infamous one where uh, where uh, 
Mysterio was wearing the Phantom based, uh, like the comic book of the Phantom, the purple. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was wearing that costume for this match. And most people know that costume, at least, even if they don't know the match it came from, because, yeah. But no, wow. yeah, it was, it just, it did some great matches. And what really brought it to mind was when I was playing WWE 2K22. Yeah, 22. I almost said 23. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, the, the one special mode is following Mysterio's career. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them. And while they were doing it, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot how great this match was. And I went back and watched <laughs> it. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's probably one of Mysterio's best matches. And this is really something, I think it's also probably one of Guerrero's best matches. And that man's had a lot of good matches. So Halloween Havoc 98, right? Halloween Havoc, it should be 98, yeah. All right, I'll have to look that up and try it out. Yeah, it's it's a really good one, but I mean the rest of the cards a stinker from what I remember. But that match, yeah. but then again, that was WCW. If it's beginning or middle of the card, chances are you're getting a good match. When you get to the upper match, uh, you know the upper end of the card, chances are you're just seeing NWO bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Now, now did, did it have any of those spots in it where uh, Guerrero's like doing sneaky shit when the when the ref isn't looking? I can't remember if he does any of the stuff like, <laughs> oh, dude, speaking to that, though, dude, I almost pissed myself on that New Day tag match where, like, all four people threw the chair to somebody else and then passed out. Like, uh, as if it, yeah, dude, I'm like, yeah, oh, my God, fight. Eddie Guerrero moment, Eddie Guerrero yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, no I, I, I had the same thought. I'm like, dude, this is totally an Eddie thing. Oh, they were sending up to and like yeah, I loved it when he'd do that or he'd you know he'd do some kind of yeah backhanded thing that was really really hidden to it. Uh huh. But yeah, oh man, oh Jesus. And, but no, I don't. I don't remember that being in there. But he might have. I, that might have been something he did later. I mean, like, but then again, you, you, Ric Flair started that shit with his whole. I'm going to bag off, I'm going to bag off when the referee's not looking, I'm going to go up between your legs kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. God, now I'm going to have to find a match where Eddie does that just because, God, that is so much fun well, to watch. Well, you know, I, I don't even know what it was. I'm sure I found it on Reddit, but I saw a clip where it was, uh, I don't even remember who he was wrestling, but he goes and he hits them with the, with the, with the belt, and then uh, when the ref quickly turns around, so he falls down on the belt. So it's completely underneath him. So he's hi- he's hiding it from the ref, and and and, and the, so the ref comes over and starts trying to hey hey what do you got there roll over roll over and he's like no no, no. <laughs> it was it was really funny. Uh, yeah, but anyways, I'm sure yeah. you could probably look up you could probably look up like a top ten of that sort of thing and they'll probably yeah sneaky moments of Eddie Guerrero. I'm pretty sure there's probably fairly good lists of it. I might I might yeah. have to do that one tonight. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll go to uh, where I just saw it. Um, God, I've got so many good ones that I want to talk about, and I'm trying to like pick through them here. Um, what? Like, did did you put a uh, uh, Hell in the Cell on there? Or uh... I I actually didn't put many gimmick matches. There is one gimmick match on here, but and I'll get to that one in a second because actually I think the next one I'm gonna go to is two of two of the. You put them with anybody, they're going to have a good match. First time they match, they faced each other. The storyline was great because it was the whole, oh, I came up idolizing you. 
you are my idol, and now you know. Now I want to wrestle with you, and that is Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. Mm-hmm. Jericho has always been very clear that you know, like he idolized Shawn Michaels, like that was like his, you know, his Ric Flair or whatever. And well, which, which is so stupid when you think about it, dude. Those guys aren't that far apart in age. Where he they probably aren't, but it's but <laughs> but when Jericho was coming up, Shawn Michaels was already that you know was already kicking around the industry. So I mean, yeah, it's I mean, anyways, but no, but those two, those two put on a banger of a match in a in a card that was mm-hmm. okay. But it was like filled with like I mean you could also go with some of their later ones because their later ones are really good too. But this one like to me because I think it was the first time they'd ever wrestled. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Shawn Michaels get thrown over the top rope. He does the skin the cat thing, comes back, throws <laughs> Jericho over the ropes. Jericho does the exact same thing. Uh huh. It's just all those little moments of no, like I know everything in your playbook because you know, like because you know, Shawn Michaels essentially taught him everything in his playbook, so to speak. Right, right. And man, and then it just, but it's just this great moment. And then, you, like at the end, you have a really, really good moment of you know, like the idol and the you know the the person who idolized him, kind of you know, like. Shawn Michaels goes over in the match, and Jericho's crying because he lost to Jer or lost to to Michaels, and then they hug, and then Jericho kicks him in the balls uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a heel. He's got to do something. I mean, you, right? Oh, but man, it's just but it's no, like the no. storyline, the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a solid pick. Okay, mm. Yeah, because those two absolutely. They always left it all on the mat. They, they went out there. Yeah. Were, oh, they were always going to be solid. They can carry just about anybody. I and, mean, you know, like, you know, like, I, even though I cannot watch this match anymore just because it's so fucking boring, even though it's really, it's really well wrestled, I, I, is the Iron Man match with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart that went for an hour. I'm like, uh-huh. dude, that match is just too long. <laughs> oh my god it's like and especially well it's because they knew they were going an hour it's like it just like they, they pace themselves so it's like it wasn't the normal pace that sean could keep right which i well, get but yeah, could you could you could they do that for an hour at a normal pace no i don't think so i mean i've seen i've even gone back and watched some of the like you know i mean i know like back in the day there were what they called the 60 minute broadways between flare and steamboat uh-huh. And I've watched some of those, and they're good matches, but they're hard to watch because of, yeah, because of how long they're going, you know they're pacing themselves at points. Yeah. And yeah. so it just kind of, it's like, yeah, you, you, you could have streamlined this a lot and made it be a much better match. But that said, mm-hmm. you know, Steamboat and Flair put on a good match, and so did Hart and Shawn Michaels. I won't take anything away from it. And you mm-hmm. have the moment of that was the first time uh michael's got the big belt once again another person who like when he started i don't think anybody ever expected him to become somebody who would be put in that match no no you know when he was with with Janetti and the rockers and whatnot Uh um but no yeah so that one that one always stands out to me um as being like probably the best of the jericho versus michael's matches even though they've had some other really really good matches later Uh on in their careers um You know, the infamous one that had the uh, moment where Jericho legitimately punched Michael's wife on accident. Uh-huh. Oh, God, I <laughs> laughed great, that. that's a, Yeah, That's a great story. 
Um, <laughs> um, so, okay, you mentioned it, so I'll bring up the one, the one gimmick match I have on here. It's a great match to watch, but I do admit I have hard times watching points at time. And that's TLC2 from WrestleMania 17. Oh, good choice. Is it that now? If I remember right, is it's not isn't that the one where it's it's a it has a it's it, Edge and it, Christian, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the and Dudleys the, and the Hardys, the Hardys, and yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, one yeah. where it's the one where Har- uh, Jeff gets speared off the belt, hanging from yeah. the belts by Edge. That's, that's so iconic. And every time I like when I watch it at first, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I watch it, and I'm like, I am watching the beginning of the end of someone's career, probably. It's like <laughs> it's the same thing as watching that Hell in the Cell match between Undertaker and freaking uh, Mick or uh, Mankind. You're yeah, watching I'm surprised that, like, that one wasn't on your list. I I think it's because I have such a hard time watching it now, knowing the 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 long term repercussions of that match. No, no, um, it's hard to rewatch too. It's the same with watching the rock, the one where the rock delivered what was it twenty three chair shots to mankind's head with his hands yeah. handcuffed behind his back. Yeah, I mean it's when I was younger, I was watching. It, I'm like, oh my god, this is hardcore. This is awesome. And now I'm watching. I'm like, I'm watching somebody literally get his brain cells scrambled. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then again, but that I, one I, also took on another level when I watched uh, Beyond the Mat, and they have the whole the documentary guy actually like gets the phone call from him after that match, and you're like, oh, dude, this is this is uh, ugly. Yeah. Uh, but no, but back to that TLC match. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great, great match, and uh, it defined three different teams. Well, it, the careers moving they forward. Were, I mean. They were like they were already established together before that match. Don't get me wrong, because you had at WrestleMania 2000, they had the first ever uh, triple tag team ladder match, uh-huh. and then it was SummerSlam. Uh, the SummerSlam before T- WrestleMania. That WrestleMania, they did the first TLC, which was like, the, you could tell they were still kind of learning it. You know, they were still figuring uh-huh. out what you could do with this format. Uh-huh. TLC 2 was just where it, it it hit its, you know, it hit its apex. Nobody was I, ever going to top that match. Yeah. If I would have thrown together a list, that, that would this one would have been on there. And, and that's where I was like, yeah, Ted's going to Ted's gonna bring this one up. Why am I even doing this? <laughs> and like I said, I, 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 I was hesitant just from the fact that, like, you know, watching the stuff that Jeff Hardy does to himself in that is hard to watch in hindsight. Uh-huh. But I couldn't take away from the fact that those three teams, because of this match mostly, but there were other reasons too, will always be known with each other. Like, there will uh-huh. never be a better three-way tag team uh, feud than the Hardys, the Duddy, Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. Uh-huh. And even though none of those tag teams are together anymore, they will always be. They, you know, they are still probably like t- that was the peak of tag team wrestling back when WWE actually cared about tag team wrestling. Yep, yep. No, excellent, excellent choice. Um, so, what, what, what do you have ooh, next? Ooh, 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 where are we? Oh. Where are we at here? Oh, we're only at 46 minutes, so we, we can still we can keep going here. Um, okay, I will go with one that I remember bringing a tear to my eye watching the match. At Ooh, the a end tear? Of it. Yes, only because 
it was very clear what what the ending of the match really meant, even though it was never physically said. And you could really go with any of the three these guys have had at WrestleMania. But I think their third one was the, the true best one, and that's The Rock versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania 19. Mm-hmm. Their first match was really good. Their second match was a train wreck to me, because that's the infamous uh, Stone Cold joined Vince, which mm-hmm. nobody bought. But the third <laughs> one, it was kind of like unspoken that this was going to be the last in-ring performance by Stone Cold. Stone Cold mm-hmm. agreed to come back because The Rock just wanted that one win he never got at WrestleMania. He had never <laughs> beat Stone Cold at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So Stone Cold was like, okay, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to go, you know, put the other guy over in my, you know, in my final match. Like, like go, go out, go over, or, you know, lay down on the way out, so to speak. Right. But at the same time, the match just had everything. You know, you had the rock hitting rock bottoms and people's elbows on the rock. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you had Colt, like, they're using each other's moves. There's a point where Stone or uh, the rock puts on Stone Cold's vest and starts acting, you know, like, doing his mimicry of Stone Cold. <laughs> you know, you just had, like, all these moments, but, like, at the end of the match, when the rock is pinning him, you can clearly see he leans over and says something in Stone Cold's ear as he's pinning mm-hmm. him. Uh-huh. And then reading later on and find out that basically what he said, you know, basically what he said is, you know, something along the lines of, I appreciate, you know, this is the greatest thing, you know, you know, like you, you've been one of my best opponents my entire career. This is uh-huh. how I, how I'd want to go out kind of thing. And, you know, Stone Cold still claims it's one of his best, one of his favorite matches. I mean, it was, but it, it had everything to it. Not mm-hmm. to mention it was also in many ways, you know, like about that era was kind of the death of that era of wrestling. I was really probably the hottest on it, mm-hmm. even though yeah, a lot yeah. of that wrestling doesn't age well. No, no. <laughs> that whole era doesn't, you know, as much as some people like want, want to see us get back to an attitude era. I don't know. Oh, it's- no. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, no, that that era, like there was so much stuff that I'm like, I'm shocked like nowadays, I look at him like as a teenage boy when it was going on. Of course, I'm like, "Oh, TNA, yeah!" Right, right. Now I'm looking at him like, "Oh my God, why the fuck would Trish agree to get on all fours in her bra and panties and bark like a dog for Vince fucking McMahon?" Uh huh. Who yeah. the hell would allow that to happen? Yeah, at least uh, women are a lot more respected now and are, are treated as nearly equals to the men in the ring. So. Oh, I think in many ways there's there's some women's matches I think usurp the men's matches. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it's a shame that WWE hasn't gone ahead and just had an evolution pay-per-view, an all-women's pay-per-view every year. I really think that's a lost, you know, a yeah, lost I'm really opportunity. Su- I'm, I'm really surprised they only did that that the one year and have and haven't made it an annual thing. In fact, a couple matches. There were there were a couple matches from there. I almost thought about putting on here because there uh-huh. were some there were some really strong ones on that card. But uh-huh. I yep. just, they kind of got edged out by other smaller things. Uh-huh. Um, okay, I'll go back to NXT with probably in hindsight one of my face favorite feuds that's ever occurred in NXT. When it was going on, I couldn't stand it for some reason. Like I just. Like it just didn't, and that's the Champa versus Gargano feud. This one specifically is their Chicago street fight, which I want to say was the one that that brought. I can't remember if this was the match 
that brought Gargano back. Like, cause like there was, there's a string there where it's like Ciampa cost Gargano his career with NXT cause he was going against, uh, Andrade. And then I can't remember if it was this fight or the, like it was this one that was like, if Gargano won, he got to come back or if it was the, no, cause he lost this one. So it couldn't have been okay. No, I, I had to go through, I had to go through the timeline in my head, but okay, anyway, but no, those three, those two, amazing tag team. It's amazing how much of a good feud they could put on too, though. Mm-hmm. Oh man, and like I still, I still think, I think it's a shame that Champa's really not getting what he deserves right now either. Because I think you know him being just like the Miz's little bitch boy last time I saw was was a shame. He, well, uh, he must be out with injury right now because he's been out for a while. Like he hasn't been on TV in ages. Dude, there was a couple people I was going to ask you about because, like, it hit me. Like, Karrion Cross has he wrestled since for a while? Because last time I saw him yeah. was like he was going after was it Drew McIntyre, and then mm-hmm. haven't heard a word about him. Yeah, yeah, he's still there. In, in fact, uh, apparently Scarlett wrestled recently, and, and like a, a house show. Oh, geez, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know she was a wrestler at all. Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, I, I don't know. I've never, well, I've never seen her wrestle, so I don't know if she's a, a Bella Twins kind of wrestler or if she's a legitimate uh, wrestler. Because let's face okay. it, she's got the looks. But yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, with that with that Gargano and, sorry, we got sidetracked there. Uh, the Gargano and uh, Ciampa Chicago street fight. Oh, man, it just, it just, they were brutal. They were technical. There's a great moment where uh, this guy was holding a sign that said, "Hey, uh, Johnny, use my sign on Champa or something like that." So Gargano takes it and like hits Champa with this like cardboard sign. <laughs> well, no, he hits him with it and it legitimately does damage. And they're like, "What the hell's going on?" It was obviously a plant because he peels the sign and there's a stop sign in in the middle of like two pieces of cardboard. <laughs> I'll need to look at that matchup too. That sounds funny. Oh yeah, it's awesome. I can't. I, I want to say it was something like Johnny used my sign on Champa or something like that. It was it was some joke on there, but it's like I'm like, oh right. god. But anyways, you know, yeah, it was just this really good brawl. But at the same time, when they were just keeping it to their technical wrestling, it was some great uh-huh. match. It was a great match on that as well. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a reason that I think Gargano and Champa kind of are the the heart and soul in many ways of the you know the peak of what the black and gold NXT were mm-hmm. like they were really kind of like you know me yeah you had you know you had the undisputed era kicking around there and they were doing some good stuff some mm-hmm. okay stuff you had you know Velveteen Dream which I was hesitant to even mention his name after you know ugh. It's, but, it's a shame you get you get people like that where their their talent is undeniable, but then but it's also oh, undeniable was, that they're a piece of shit. Oh my god! Like yeah, like I almost I almost wanted to put the Alistair Black versus Velveteen Velveteen Dream match going on because uh-huh. just the idea of their first match is hilarious because it's like basically just Alistair Black wouldn't say Velveteen's name; he refused to like <laughs> acknowledge his name. And so nice. they have this amazing match, and it ends with Black taking a mic, 
and saying, enjoy your, was it, enjoy your infamy, infamy, infamy velveteen dream. And like the crowd just explodes the fact that he said his name. Nice. It was awesome. And Velveteen Dream, yeah, he was, he could have been, he could have been something amazing if he could just get out of his own stupid way. Uh But anyways, but no, yeah, Gargano, like, you know, like I said, other than, other than the one final beat match, as they call it, I think the Gargano versus Ciampa feud is amazing. I still think Uh it's a shame we never got to see like a heel version of DIY. Like I would have loved to have seen Ciampa and, and the ways version of uh, Gargano team up. Yeah. You kind of got it with the mustache mountain match that they did that one point in time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but no, they were, but they were, they, they had a chemistry together that I think, you know, they'll always be, you know, there's, there's no two ways about it. They're always going to be, you know, tied together as far as their feud mm. and their tag team. Yeah. Well, hopefully they'll at some point have the two of them feud up there on the main roster. Oh, I think they could. I think they'd be throwing away a lot of money if they didn't. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so now I'm just going to throw out a couple, just like feel good mo- or like just matches that I like. One of them I remember just for one feel good moment, even though it's such a small part to a match, and one for just the fact that the match even happened with the circumstances it was. And the first one is I couldn't remember what year it was, but Edge's return at Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, I remember sitting there watching it. Neither of us knew it was going to happen, and his music hit, and I legitimately wanted like jumped off, jumped off off the couch. Like I was shocked. <laughs> like it, it yeah, was it a said, moment. It said it chilled him. Was fine. Yeah, it was a moment. Like just to hear his music, you're like, okay, no, this can't be true. And he comes out like after everybody thinking he's done uh-huh. for so long. He comes out. He puts on a helmet. I mean, it was a little unfortunate. The first thing they had him do was get caught by the deep six by fucking Baron Corbin, which I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, his neck. <laughs> but and then, you know, yeah. it was just this mat. It was just this this moment that like I couldn't even tell you who won that Royal Rumble. But yeah, I remember yeah. that moment. Well, wasn't it the Royal Rumble where? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. I was going to say, was that the Royal Rumble where Brock came in as a uh, the first the, one? The, and no, the last half- one. Oh. No, remember he came in as the last one because he was replacing some. Well, who was he replacing? Like he came in at thirty and then just started clearing house what was left over and got and got the win. He might have been. I don't know. The only one was I can remember one? with can the remember. only Royal Rumble performance I remember with Brock was one where he was like number one or number two, and he was just throwing people out like within seconds. Dude, how many moments has that man had over his career where you're like, dude, what a piece of shit! Stop pushing him down our throats. Well, no, the only thing, the only reason I give some credit to that Royal Rumble was because when it finally came down to Drew McIntyre kicking him out of the ring, it Uh made it a big, it made it a big moment. And even though like Keith Lee really put some damage on Brock and he was like the first person to damage Brock. And that's another guy I really wish would be around still in WWE because he's struggling in AEW. Him and fucking Swerve should both be back in WWE now that Triple H is in control. But that's another whole statement. Well, but apparently Swerve can't stand Triple H. That's why he's not. That's why he's not back. Huh. Apparently he apparently he hates Triple H's guts. Oh, I didn't. I've never heard that. Interesting. Yeah. The more yeah. you know. Boop boop. 
Oh man, so but, is, that, is that it for the no, list No, I'm going to throw out like one more, and it's, like I said, it's just because of the circumstance. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a good match, but the circumstances of the fact that the match even happened, Cody Rhodes deserves a medal, and that's the match where he came out there with the fucking torn peck. Ugh. <laughs> Dude, that match should have never even happened, let alone been a good match. Yeah, yeah. But, we, you know, like, I remember watching that one. We're like, oh, no, come on. I, I remember the back and forth we had throughout the match. Like, oh, no, come on. That's fake. He's just got, like, some makeup on him. See, look, you can see it's, like, the makeup smearing. And they're like, no, wait a second. I don't think that is fake. Yeah. I don't think I don't think makeup grows over time. Yeah. It, well, cause at first, <laughs> I think it just looked like it was smearing or, like, as he was sweating, it was moving. But yeah. then, it, no, it became clear it legitimately was a torn pack. And you're like, how the hell did he put up with that match? Uh, with a torn peck. Oh my god. But, you know, you, you you could also give him credit for the original return, even though it was like the worst kept hist- worst capes- worst kept secret in WWE of that year. Uh-huh. But it was still a great moment to hear his mu- like, especially the fact that he came out to his music from his independent stuff. It's not like he uh-huh. came back out to like you know something WWE had concocted for him. Uh-huh. He even had his AEW stupid AEW entrance coming up under the ring from under the uh. ramp or whatever, which uh. you notice they stopped doing really quickly for him. <sighs> well, they, well, they, well, he had that one entrance where he was starting to come up and it failed. Yeah, I think that's why they stopped. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. remember. I never saw that one, but I heard about it. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like let's not leave that kind of crap to chance. Yeah, so that was my oh, that was that was a, a good quality discussion on some some wrestling. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a solid list, and, and yeah, you had a lot of them that I, I probably would have put on a list of my own. So, like I said, I I had stuff like Jericho versus Omega, which was Jericho's first match outside of WWE after he initially signed with them. You know, he he had that match with Omega, and it's probably still the best match I've ever seen from Kenny Omega. But uh-huh. you know. It's it's a good match, but at the same time, it's like I I, I kind of didn't really talk about it because I'm like, eh, you wouldn't have seen that one, and if you know, no. it just sucks to talk about something by myself. I mean, it's one of those ones. At some point in time, I'll find a chance to get away for you to see it because it was really a good match. They both worked really well on that match, and the the lead up to it was pretty good. Uh-huh. And there was also a couple. Uh, There's another one from that exact same event in New Japan that was really good, but it was two guys. Um, I don't even know if you've ever even heard the names names of Naito and Okada, but they're like two of the biggest guys in. Like basically, Okada is New Japan's The Rock. Okay. Um, he has some amazing matches, but him and uh, Tetsuya Naito put on a hell of a a barn burner at at one of their their version of WrestleMania called Wrestle Kingdom. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, good match. But once again, you know, talking about it by myself was going to be boring, and I knew it. So I didn't talk about those ones. Um, <laughs> God, there's another thing. is like I really wish that, like, somebody could find a way. Because it doesn't seem like AEW or WWE can manage to take those people that jump from New Japan to American wrestling and make them work. Because, uh-huh. like, everybody that came from New Japan over to AEW, I think they're, like, definitely, like, weaker versions of what they were in New Japan. And 
you know, it's really a shame that Kushida never got really what he, you know, the push he deserved when he was in NXT. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have a feeling that was a Vince thing with Kushida, so. Oh, I have a small correction here for you. Uh-oh. So, the uh, Rey Mysterio-Eddie Guerrero match was at Halloween Havoc 97. Okay. Hey, I admit that I might have been wrong. No, no, I just happened to be looking up because I looked up 98 first. I'm like, wait a minute, Eddie Guerrero is not even on this card. So Okay, so it was 97. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so there we go. I was I, I got my, my Halloween Havocs mixed up. Um, That's all right. Ooh, yeah, I'm glad you didn't watch 98. Wait a second, because I think 98 might have been the year that Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan were the main event of the thing. And oh, that know. was a train wreck match. No, the one one I saw on that uh, Halloween Havoc card, for, uh, 98, that looked interesting was uh, uh, Jericho versus Raven. That, that would have been a cool to see. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, Raven was another one of those guys where it's like he has very structured matches. And mm-hmm. he's one of those guys, like, I always thought he was very much his gimmick. Like, you know, just the slacker kind of person. But, like, you hear interviews with him. He is incredibly intelligent about the business. He uh-huh. just liked to have those characters that were a little more on the fringes. Well, you know, and, and of course, I always remember him from Portland Wrestling, too. Johnny Polo? No, he was uh, uh, Scotty the Body. Scotty the Body, that's right. You know, uh, in WWE, like, if you find, like, I can't remember what. I want to say he was the manager for the Quebecers or some team like that at a WrestleMania he was going by Johnny Polo, mm-hmm. and he carried like a polo, the like the col- polo mallet or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'll try his valet at that time was that uh, Missy Hyatt. And, dude, that was a that was a great time in Portland wrestling because that was also when uh, Art Bar was still there before he went to Mexico oh, with Eddie. Jesus. Yeah, where he would have, like, basically where he influenced Eddie to become what he became. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, I uh, I would have loved to have seen, like, you know, some of those days back when you had, you know, like, Billy Jack Haynes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, Playboy Buddy Rose was big in there. Mm-hmm. But he might have also been in the 90s. I can't remember. But then, like, I know... um. I know Piper did his fair share of time in Portland wrestling. Snooka. Mm-hmm. I want to say Jake the Snake had a brief run there. Oh, if he did, I, I didn't know about that. But yeah, but I want to actually rip. say Art, uh, Art Barr, he, his father actually ran Portland wrestling for yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah. Sandy Barr and the, San, and, and the Sandy Barr's flea market. Yeah. Sandy Barr's flea market. I didn't know that part, but. Oh, yeah. He was a. Uh, he he ran a flea market every Saturday. Interesting. I didn't know that. No. I just know the the wrestling promoter side of it because of reading things as far as yeah. Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, God, those those were that was a great time. You know, they. Uh, yeah. So the, so the sponsorships from the show was always the flea market and Tom Peterson. Oh God, Tom Peterson and Gloria too. That's right. That's right. Come get your free hot dog and flat and flat top haircut. Yep. What was it? He was he? <laughs> did he sell cars? No. No. No furniture. Furniture. It's like that's how long it's been. Who was the guy that sold the? Was it? Uh, 
was it Dave Peterson or something like that? Was the guy oh. like the big old glasses? Oh shoot, I don't know. I remember Bob Lamphere was the one, a big uh, car guy. But there was a guy that like he did like in the late eighties, maybe early nineties. He did a lot of like car commercials, and he had. I just remember he was kind of a nerdy guy, big ass glasses. I don't remember like, that Coke bottle glasses. Yeah, none of this is going to be compelling to your listeners. You know why I'm cutting all this out? No, it's staying in there. No. They can they can deal with us, you know, being nostalgic about weird shit like commercials, very regional commercials. Yeah, yeah. Nobody anywhere else would know anything about any any, any people anybody that happens to be listening that that you've met in your new in your new area. They're going to be like, what are they talking about? Yeah, well, there's probably the same thing around here though. Yeah, yeah. But okay. Um, yeah, with that, with that deep dive into regional ad salesmen, um, <laughs> we will wish you a good do, but adieu, but I will first say thank you to everybody listening. Thank you for joining me, Tony. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you to spider for my art and on my body and on my podcast. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to reach the show, you can read, reach me at standstrongcast at gmail.com. I am gladly accept emails. Not that I expect them because I haven't got a single one yet, but that's okay. <laughs> Someday. Um, one day. One day I will be Steve Martin with the phone book and the, the jerk. I got an email! <laughs> um, nobody will know what the fuck's going on. But anyways, uh, so with that, I will say see you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye.